Hello and welcome back to What Is Your Working Class, the podcast dedicated to exploring the variety that exists in working classness. And today I'm joined by artist Evangeline Harrison. To stay up to date on all new episodes, make sure to follow us on Twitter at What Is Your Work One and on your chosen podcast provider. Thank you very much for listening and hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, how's it going? Hi, how are you? I'm really good, thanks. Yeah, a bit cold, but I'm good. What about yourself? <laughs> yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Uh, very warm here. That's good. Whereabouts are you at at the moment? Uh, I'm currently living in Leeds at the moment. Oh, nice. What's taking you to Leeds? Um, so I started studying here in 2017. Uh, I finished my degree last year and I just decided to stay around for opportunities that come up. Nice. I like Leeds. I've been there a couple of times. It's a cool city. It's a very nice city. I do like it. Where are you from originally? <laughs> I, I'm from uh, South Derbyshire. So I'm from a place called Burton-on-Trent. It's more oh, Staffordshire, but yeah. So what is your class background? So uh, I grew up in Burton. Um, my dad uh, was an electrician. He's now retired. And my mum's like gone from different jobs uh, bouncing around uh, moved house quite a lot yeah it's just um obviously growing up and stuff it's always about money and things like that so I don't think there was ever a time where you know it was secure or whatever but we we may do with what we had and yeah I'm just very grateful for that really was there ever a realization that you were working class or was it just always this knowing that you had enough money to cope but never enough to feel secure yeah I think I think we always knew because I think I also have a sibling so that I think that was always drilled into our heads that worry of uh, money unfortunately and I, I think I realized it more probably when I moved away to Leeds obviously Leeds is primarily a working class city um, that's what I love about it but being a university student you obviously see loads of different people come all around the country and come to study and seeing different classes of people made me realize more where I'd uh, come from. Was there a sense of a class consciousness at Leeds University being as I said predominantly a working class city? Yeah definitely so I went to Leeds Beckett University and you could definitely tell in terms, even through the smallest of things like uh, student accommodation mm. um, <laughs> and who was, who, you know, who was working and who wasn't. And that, not, not to obviously judge anyone at all. It's just, it makes you realize your experience. Cause as soon as I moved, I had to get a job straight away. Uh, I lived really far away from the city and my university in comparison to my other peers, because that's the most affordable housing. It does, you know, make you miss out on more studenty things. Mm. <laughs> if that makes sense. Aye. I don't know how to describe that. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I definitely felt like that disconnection with people at uni. I felt like I was um, bouncing a lot mm. and I didn't really get as much of a student experience as I probably wanted to because of that. Do you have a bit of regret about that because of having yeah. to balance all of this stuff? 
Yeah, I do. There's times where I do feel as though probably an apprenticeship or something like that would have given me the security and I probably, you know, would have not gone into a creative subject and I probably would have just stuck with that. But I, I am grateful that I've pushed through that. So you know what? No, I don't, I don't regret it. I, I do wish I made some more time for myself, um, but, you know, got put jobs and things like that first mm. in those situations what made you decide to go and study uh what did you actually go to study so I went to Leeds Becky and I studied fine art and then through the course of those three years I started to really look at my practice and decide what I wanted to do so lots of puppets <laughs> um, and lots of installation work as well and using materials that I could basically any materials that I could get my hands on to be honest with you so yeah I kind of moved away from that whole sort of fine art thing so I started studying more about outsider art you know and I, I guess I just I wanted to move away from things that were that were being taught I just wanted to go in the opposite direction so what were some of the reasons for moving towards outsider art and being influenced by it I think I was motiva- motivated by the fact that a uh, majority of the artists throughout history and outsider art weren't institutionally educated when it came to their work. And a lot of outsider artists do just make do with what they have and their expression. I, I really admire that just pure primitive expression of, of work. And I think the fact that those artists are not institutionalized pull me towards that even though I was already at a university yeah. studying fine art <laughs> which is kind of ironic but yeah yeah that is an interesting thing and it's something that I've been thinking about of like trying to make work that is about working classness and mm-hmm. how to deal with the fact that I've been through a very high level of training yeah and I've got to it- now go I'm right about these things that are not really written about as much and influenced by outsider artists and yet my knowledge and understanding of those people came from an educational institution I know it it, it does almost feel like I, I always feel like an imposter sometimes when I when I'm talking about these things yeah exactly it just it's all very ironic but we wouldn't be able to I guess jump into this world if we didn't go into those institutions so it's one of those things. What yeah. got you into making in the first place? So I've, I've been making ever since I was a young child. Funnily enough, my mum used to have to take me to work. Uh, and I think at the time she worked in a leisure centre. So I used to get put in like the back staff room by myself. And that's that's like the main thing that I could do. And then I think that just got the ball rolling really and I think any time I had spare I would be making something yeah I just love making objects and things you can touch and yeah yeah so turning to your work um you talked a bit about making puppets and Mm -hmm. what what made you want to go right let's make some puppets I think the fact that puppets are so engaging with an audience And that's what I love about making artwork is being able to give someone a really positive, happy experience with that. 
And I, I love working with children as well, because I do that in my part-time job. So that is really important to me. And I found that engaging works like that is better, is better suited for a community and things like that. So wanting to go into community work whilst still creating, yeah, just seemed a good path for me, I think. Uh, there's a couple of your pieces that I really love. One being, um, it was a prop, but it's almost like a puppet in a way of the house, which yes. I just love so much. It's just, it's got such whimsy to it. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, what, uh, how do you go about deciding what you're going to make a puppet for? Well, really, it's more of a, I like sketching a lot and I like to sketch characters I really enjoy storytelling and researching. So, and that also comes with community work. I think it's really important to tell stories within your community. I mean, it's like the backbone of most anyway. Um, so when I'm starting to decide on what I'm making, I tend to um, pull from folk stories, um, like the house that you were describing. That's, um, there's a house with chicken legs. Uh, in folklore um, so that's where it came from there's a couple of puppets where they're like they're very low maintenance but it's you get such a character from them one being on your hand and another yes. one being a rose with just sort of a, a face drawn on it and it's really interesting because of you get a character immediately from the puppet which yeah. is something do you find that difficult trying to translate a character onto this object no, I don't think I do. I think because in my head, I've always got a story going on. I've always got characterization going on that when that translate, it's more about the action that you're making. You could, you could get a piece of paper and draw a smiley face on it and you could bring that to life very easily. That's what I love about making this type of work as well, because when you're sharing it with an audience, they can also see that they could do that too. Mm. And that there's like fun and playfulness within that. And I think that's really important. Have you always had that mindset of having that engagement with an audience in your creative work? I think it came around more when I was in my second year of university. I think I had a, this like preconceived notion of what I should be doing when going into my fine art course. So I started off with a lot of like realism painting and you know trying to stick to those like traditional methods mm. <laughs> to please something and then I started to just wanting to please myself and have fun yeah sorry I lost the question <laughs> no no um uh, just the, how you came about wanting to do work that was actively engaging a community I think coming from a working class background again like community work is really important to me it's giving back to that community that you've you know been been raised in so my motivation with engaging work is just to give back I think mm. in a way I think that's really important yeah have you ever done any work that with your immediate community of the community that you grew up with um I haven't no unfortunately um I want to actually move back down to Derbyshire and start engaging uh within my community a lot more because with the lockdown and everything that's happened it's just been a case of uh, yeah. financial security and staying here but no I do plan to definitely and also in Leeds but yeah. Mm. Would you say there's 
a real clear presence of working classness in your work? Maybe not necessarily. I think it's more of the act. It's more of the the engagement after the work has been made. You know, is low maintenance work is fast, and you could you could say, oh, my my low cost materials and everything could you know say that. But I, I really do think it's about what I do with the work afterwards. My my work is very um, like bright and playful, and doesn't necessarily like. Um, speak to the the stereotypical visual culture of uh, working class um, things but breaking away from those stereotypes I think is important. Yeah I'm really interested in this idea of a lot of working class artists using bright colours and bright colour palettes and Mm. how much of that stems from sort of the older representations of working class like the kitchen sink realism that you got in the uh, 50s 70s and Mm -hmm. Do you ever worry that by using a bright colour palette you might be making the work be more comfortable for people if you were to talk about working class subject matter? Yeah, I think that is a worry, actually. And I think because I focus so much on giving my work to a working class community and not necessarily outwardly I I haven't actually considered that as a worry but you are right I think yeah I haven't actually thought about that it's it's something I don't know because I mean I'm thinking about possibly the name that everyone would think of of a working class artist being Grayson Perry it's Mm. very bright and colorful work about serious subject matter but (laughs) there's almost this um by being bright and colorful it's almost got the um pumped up kicks effect you know mm. that song where it's like, it's about, a, I think it's about a school shooting, but it's a bright and cheery song. Mm-hmm. And I wonder why is it that there is this trend of working class artists making work that is so bright and cheerful and mm. whether, and what that means for the future of what comes yeah. out. I think that's breaking, I think that's breaking away from, you know, the older stereotypes of working class backgrounds, um, work class artists being angry uh, mm. about the system and you know rightfully so we are but I think showing the beautiful side and showing other people showing you know what is really beautiful and positive about being from a working class background moving away from those things we're not playing into this whole thing of oh, it has to be bleak dark mm. imagery even though that, you know, it is justified. What are your plans for the future for making work? Um, Going forward with my work, again, like I've spoken about, is just pushing more community work in terms of workshops and getting, you know, more underprivileged people to start creating. I think it's a wonderful gateway and it's a wonderful gateway for children as well, especially from those backgrounds that don't have that chance, that feel like they can't pursue that as a full-time career. I think just like giving back. In terms of my own work, that has taken sort of a back step recently, uh, just due to like money and lockdowns and Mm. stress and all those things. But that has also given me a great opportunity to start thinking about how I channel that to give back to others. That's something I've been thinking about as well, because, I mean, being a composer, it's kind of hard to make music when you can't really 
have concerts going on so trying yeah. to think of okay so how do I adjust <laughs> to of suit course. a really bad situation do you feel this is some this might be me just putting my own feelings on it but do you feel guilty when you're not making work yeah definitely uh the imposter syndrome kicks in I think as well you almost feel like you've gone you've gone out of your way to go to university and you've you know got into this debt and you you know you put yourself in an uncomfortable position to then not do anything with it and you do feel as though you've sort of wasted that time in a way but you have to try and channel that guilt and channel that to spend in that time when you're not making work in thinking about everything else around it you know what how how an audience is going to engage with future works, what you want to give back. I think that's really important as an artist because you're constantly giving back. So I think using that time is uh, it's important to think about what else your practice is doing apart from just making. Does that make sense? Yeah, completely. <laughs> it's yeah. um, it's something I've been thinking about because I I feel really guilty when like I take a day off mm. and it's one of those strange things where like well why do I feel guilty it's ridiculous that I'm feeling guilty about the fact that I need a break but it's almost I feel like if I take a break it then sort of invalidates my previous work of saying oh why are you not working today you need to sort of keep up with other people and I think it is to do with that imposter syndrome idea of constantly needing to prove your worth in a way as being an artist Well, yeah, that's the thing, I think, as well. I don't know about you, but the fact that from early on in childhood, you know, obviously I don't know about your situation, but parents working all the time and just working constantly to try and give you what you need. So when you take a break or anything, it's that... I don't know, you just... It's, um, It's almost you feel like you are squandering the amount of hard work that your parents are doing to be able to let you do that yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent and whilst I am grateful um for that I, I do I am very hard on myself but I think that's because growing up you're just hard on yourself for maybe not putting in enough time into your chores around the house or not helping out as much as you can and I think that translates definitely from childhood into adulthood and when you're a creative I find when I speak to a lot of creatives they're very hard on themselves when they're not working when they're not pushing because I feel like it's such a hard industry to get into as it is and if you stop then you're not going to make it but Mm. you know that's not necessarily true but yeah it's interesting though how we have that sort of mentality as creatives of like oh if you stop then it shows that you're not fully dedicated and I do wonder because I've spoken to a number of artists already mm. and uh when they say oh I took on a job because I had to at uni that signaled to some of their lectures that they weren't fully invested yeah that, that unfortunately does happen and again I, I've spoken to people before and I definitely felt that at uni. I would miss out on trips, uh, I'd miss out on lectures, guest talks, because I had to go to my part-time job 
and that's what I was saying at the beginning, I did feel like I missed out on a lot of my student um, experience because I had to work and support myself. But what I do find, though, is that a lot of working class artists, their work ethic is immaculate. Mm. And I think that is just, you know, that contributes to feeling guilty yeah. when you <laughs> do take a day off. So, yeah. yeah. I suppose there's a question about your community work. Do you ever worry that you might be unconsciously pushing some of the ideas that you were given in at uni about art? Yeah, definitely. De- definitely, 100%. It's like the last thing that I want. So I'm always trying to maintain like, like a playfulness to my work because I think that takes away from that sort of those ideas I guess but I think because been in education for three years and it's really been drilled into your head of all these like ideas I think naturally it's going to seep through into my community work but it's about channeling that and how you can adapt that to who you're presenting to yeah because I think I think there are good things to take as well as bad so yeah Mm. that yeah Balancing out the good and the bad is an interesting thing because um, there's certain things where I'll go, okay, like t- to take music as an example, if like it's too cluttered, I'll say, right, you need to fix this because we can't hear what's going on. Mm-hmm. Then another part of me is going, well, hold on, why? What is this idea of cleanliness informed by the past and the perception of what is clean? Or is it mm-hmm. just purely that technical issue? And mm-hmm. sort of that straddling line between those two things. Yeah, definitely. Um, the same in the same in making artwork, constantly going back over it and obviously critiquing it, critiquing your own work. It's very it's very difficult because you are your like own worst enemy, really, when mm. it comes to that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I critique <laughs> my work, I just sort of highlight bits and go this is terrible this is bad (laughs) and um I mean I do it in a playful way with like bright colors which is I suppose going back to (laughs) why we use so much color but um Mm -hmm. yeah self-critique is an interesting thing Um, it is definitely sorry (laughs) oh no carry on oh no I was I was just about to say again it's that whole um thing about work ethic and just trying to strive to do as well as you can in an industry that sometimes I feel like I'm not worthy to be in Mm. so you are just constantly pushing I think that gets to a point though where your work does suffer for that Mm. definitely do you think that idea of constant of having to work so hard uh stems from this idea of meritocracy where I mean I think I have unconsciously believed that if I work hard, I will be the best or I will be the best that I can be. Mm-hmm. But I mean, meritocracy as an idea, it's the whole issue of who is judging your work. And yeah. I do wonder about um, whether I've sort of taken a little bit of that in and what that is doing to how I perceive my practice, but I don't know. No, I, th- I think you're right. I think like you have to consider those things because those things make you better. They do. But, you know, they also hinder, like, 
progressing your work even further again it's that balance of good and bad I think even being aware of it there is a, a first step into channeling that into a better positive thing for your work mm. so where can people find your work so my work is on the working class database I do have a profile on their website and they've got amazing artists on there it's brilliant and also I do have an Instagram as well um, with some of my work uh, like I said I have taken a back step from creating and things like that you know multiple personal reasons but mainly money so yeah, yeah. it does it does make you make you think about uh what is your uh instagram handle just so people can oh go. sorry yeah it's uh, <laughs> missed that one out it's like <laughs> it's kind of human art but when you spell human it's an x instead of an a in man because nice. that was taken yeah that was taken <laughs> was i like that it? reasoning <laughs> like ah it was taken it was taken uh, that's just made me think of someone else do you find it weird promoting your art very 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 strange a part of me wishes it was maybe 20 years in the past where everything was like word of mouth mm. uh definitely work better in that way very like hands-on about things uh digital work is way out of my <laughs> you know so whenever someone's like oh you need to push social media you need to push the algorithm you need to do this you need to do that i'm just so put off by it mm. because i find it's such a such a hard emotional thing to do because you are putting your work on a platform for a lot of people to see I do find it really hard I think I would although I don't have a website yet I'd be more comfortable with having a website than having my Instagram profile mm. because again it's a case of like word of word of mouth and stuff but um unfortunately it just doesn't work like that anymore yeah do you think it's also because word of mouth is so inherently about talking to people, there's a physical element to it. That yeah. it's um it's almost related to your interest in community work and that you're dealing with people. And by being online, it's sort of you're not physically dealing with people, you're sort of just chucking things at like a screen. Definitely, definitely. And to get your work more noticed and stuff by word of mouth you do have to be in the right place at the right time mm. meeting the right people and that's not necessarily what what I'm concentrating on I, I want to go to a place where people aren't familiar with are uh, uh, almost against that because they do think that this institution is like bad and doesn't you know respect or recognize working class people uh, what I want to do is like say no we can create our own communities like working class creative yeah. database it's like we're making our own paths and I think that's what's really important mm. sorry if I went off the question no that was that was a lovely conclusion to everything we've been oh. talking about <laughs> uh Evangeline thank you so much for talking to me it's been really great yes thank you yeah it's been really good thank you thank you for noticing my work as well it's like that whole thing with imposter syndrome when someone does actually notice it and compliment it it just gives you so much more of a boost so yeah thank Not you for that it's, definitely it's great and I really love the the joy that's in your work thank you and yeah I'm to see what you make next
<laughs> yeah, I'm going to keep going. Thank you very much. Good. Thank you. Right, see you soon. Hopefully in reality. <laughs> Hopefully in reality. Fingers crossed. Soon. Right. Bye. Bye. And that is the episode. I'd love to thank Evangeline for talking to me about her work and her working classness and for you for listening to this episode. To stay up to date, make sure to follow us on Twitter at whatisyourwork1 and on your chosen podcast provider. Thank you very much for listening and hopefully hear from me soon.